Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Brandon Elliott. And today, I'm going to be diving in to screening prospective tenants over the phone like a pro. Pretty much like a bank. That's what I like to call it. Um, There's a lot of people out there that are doing property management for themselves as a landlord. And you know, they are having issues out there with screening tenants properly. Um, I've been doing it for the last several years by myself. And as I progressively get further and further with more people that I'm running out to over time, you know, I'm getting better and better at it. And uh, I've realized over the phone screening tenants, you know, I've never actually written down a script. I've always just had, you know, this script in my head and I started just adding things to it, really diving deeper, feeling out body language, sales techniques to really be able to figure out, is this person truly, you know, telling me exactly the truth? Because let's face it, as a tenant, there is every reason in the world to to lie to a potential landlord uh, to be able to make themselves sound better than they truly are, just to be able to get out of their crazy situation, uh, which is, you know, involved to have them be able to, you know, now need to move. So, um, so to get the place that they're looking to rent out, which could potentially be yours or one of my places, you know, over time, you're going to, you're going to want to get better at these sales techniques and have a script already written out and, and, you know, stuck in your head on what to say next to really dive deep and come to the conclusion of, you know, is this truth or is this false, whatever they're telling you as that prospecting tenant. So over time, I have been getting better and better at my craft with this. And when I realized that, you know, I've been out and about with some really good friends that are experts that are crushing it in real estate investing and they're landlords themselves. And they were very shocked and surprised with certain techniques that I was doing as they saw me screening tenants over the phone, just randomly, you know, at certain techniques that I was using that they were like, oh, wow, you know, I never thought to ask those questions you know, this is very needed, you know, do you have a script for this? Or can you make one? So I decided, you know, not just those guys, but uh, and those are two different occasions, plus uh, people that I'm coaching have asked me for this as well. So basically, I decided to sit down, I came out with the script that I actually really truly feel that I, I dive deep into every single time. And, uh, and it does take about 10 to 15 you know, 30 minutes on certain situations that I'm talking to these prospecting tenants to make sure that they are the cream of the crop and that they are the best qualified person to to rent out one of my properties. Because let's face it, I'd rather have a property vacant for several months before 
I, you know, finally rent it out to the best of the best instead of just, you know, getting desperate and pushing anybody that is going to rent it out and then not pay or always be late or just drive me crazy with all types of chaos. Somebody that I'm going to have to pay more money to, uh, to get evicted or get out of the house, cash for keys or, or all the damage that they could potentially do to my property. So, uh, I, I am doing full remodels to my properties and I am, uh, long distance. So I, this is all virtual. I live here in San Diego. Most of my properties are in Ohio. I am jumping into other States at this point as well. But, um, but for the most part, my, my main portfolio and what I am personally managing is over in Ohio. So with that being said, uh, we're going to dive into it. So this episode right here is going to be for, you know, somebody that is a landlord currently or about to be or somebody in the future. And I am actually going to be giving you my script after this. So all you got to do is reach out to me. You need to subscribe, leave a review and just send a screenshot over that to me on social media, on Instagram at Brandon Elliott Investments or um, check me out on Facebook as well uh, at facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott REI and just send me a screenshot of that and then ask for the screening prospect uh, worksheet. So if you just send a screenshot of that over to me and, and say, hey, I'm looking for the screening prospective tenants worksheet, then I will send that over to you right away. Um, so with that being said, guys, let's just dive right into it. It's going to be a little bit of uh, like role playing right here. And, um, and basically, you know, on my worksheet, once you get it, you'll see that we have, you know, an L for landlord and then a P for prospective tenant. Uh, but basically, we're just going to dive into it. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, as always, feel free to just drop it in the comments below, reach out to me privately, uh, put it in any of, you know, my post at all. Just, you know, ask these questions. I want to be able to help serve you at the end of the day. This podcast was created to help educate, motivate, and prepare people to get started and take action properly in real estate investing so they can eliminate all the chaos, all the hassle, and all the unknown out there um, that is you know, being very distractive. So by all means, we're, we're looking to be able to pour value out into, into the world and out into you guys. So if you do find value in this, make sure you jump onto iTunes, subscribe, leave a review, and just show some love. Share this out to as many people as possible. Let's get started. So, screening prospective tenants over the phone like a bank by a landlord, just like a pro, okay? So, we're going to be diving into it. So, basically, um, when you're calling back that, you know, somebody that is interested in renting your property from this script. So basically you just call them, you know, uh, and just say, hi, is this prospective tenant's name? You know, uh, Emily. Hi, is this Emily? And then typically they're going to jump on the phone. The prospective tenant will be like, who's this? In a kind of, um, especially because the, the prospective tenant, they're going to say, hey, who's this? in more of an aggressive tone, most likely because of the area that they're in. And my 
area code for my phone is a different state. So that's going to throw off like, who the heck is this person? But nevertheless, afterwards, I just dive into, hi, my name is Brandon. Um, you can say your last name as well, but uh, you know, whoever the landlord is. So just say, hi, my name is Brandon Elliott. I'm responding back to your however they reached out to you, however you got their contact info. So typically mine are gonna be through email, uh, through Zillow, I get a lot of leads from. Uh, otherwise, from any calls that I miss from them, flyers, referrals, you know, however they reached out to you. So, hi, my name is Brandon Elliott, I'm responding back from your email uh, in regards to your interest in one of my properties for rent and wanted to see if you had a few minutes to talk about exactly what your wants and needs are in a new property and wanted to see how I could best serve you. Is right now a good time? So when you ask how I could best serve you, that's really coming from a servant level. There's not one other landlord out there that's gonna be diving in and asking those questions. So it's really gonna throw off their guard and it's gonna make them, like everybody wants to be served, you know? So just like going out to eat, like it, it feels good being served and not having to worry about anything. They feel like in good hands. At that point, uh, the prospective tenant basically, and I don't like to say tenant um, because I, I like to call them a prospect at first because you're going to go through a ton. You're going to go through a ton of people that you're even going to think are really good and then end up not being a good fit at the end. You know, it, it's a, it's a, numbers game and you really just need to go through and see who's going to be the best fit on not just your side but on their side as well and you know that they choose to actually live there basically at that point they're going to be like oh okay yes uh which house is it again i've been looking at several you know that that's just what it is they're they're gonna they're gonna come off that way if not you're gonna you're gonna be able to tell that they really have no idea <laughs> because they're looking at so many right now. At that point, instead of giving them exactly the address or looking it up on your end, just know, like for me personally, I have several properties and typically I'll have one or two available or I will have some available coming up in the near future or um, sometimes prospective tenants are reaching out like three to six months ahead of time. Just with my personal experience, I've ran into this several times. Like some of these guys are overachievers and really just trying to get well prepared before the the school season or whatever it may be uh, before they have to move. They want to plan this well ahead of time. So um, I don't ever say the exact address because there there's sales techniques uh, behind it as well that when you give somebody the, you know, after you build up something and then, you know, you get somebody really liking it, you know, I, all my properties are fully remodeled, very nice, great condition. I put a lot of money into them and then, you know, everybody's going to want to rent it out. Have you ever lived in a brand new, fully remodeled house? You know, nobody's ever lived in it. When, when you build up that type of value and uh, in comparison to everything else out there, they're going to be like, dang, like, dude, I want that. So instead of giving them that and then realizing you're just talking about just that property and you you give it to them they're hanging on to it and then at the end of talking to them after the end of the conversation you realize like hey this person just might not be a good fit for this exact property like i have a triplex right now with several girls in them in two of the units and the third unit i wouldn't want to get like a older gentleman that's like working his butt off very like raw like you know, I would want another 
like a truck driver or something like I wouldn't want that type of um, person. I would want like a, a family, if anything, I would want um, just like other girls, other younger girls, just to make it more just relevant to the area and, and a good suit for that particular, the neighbors, you know? So, so you don't want to have that full conversation with exactly that property. And then at the end of the conversation, you realize like, Hey, this person would actually be way better in another unit, another house, another property, you know, that we weren't talking about at all. So instead I screen out the person in general and then I take it from there. But anyway, let's dive into it. Um, so basically I would say, you know, right after they got done say, Oh yes. Uh, which house is it again? I've been looking at several and you can just be as a landlord, you can just say, well, I have a few, if you don't mind, would you mind telling me a little bit more about yourself and your ideal situation, what it looks like with your wants and needs at that point, you know, you're, you're really being able to feel them out and see exactly who they are as a person and what their wants are, what their ideal situation looks like and how you can best serve them, which is exact opposite of what most landlords are doing out there or property managers. So at that point, the prospective tenant, they'll say, well, you know, they're going to give you their situation. Well, I'm looking for a two or three bedroom house price range, maybe 600 to 700 range. Uh, per month near downtown, you know, whatever the location is, the price, hopefully, and size of the property, how many bedrooms uh, is typically what they'll give you. If not, you can just ask them those questions. Um, afterwards, you can be like, okay, great. How many people will be living in the house? Basically, this is where they're going to explain how many people and who it is. If they just say two people, then you can ask like, well, who, who are those people? So prospective tenant will say, just me and my boyfriend. Okay, anyone else? I think it's important to ask these questions, like dive deeper and kind of like twist, twist a little bit to really figure out, you know, is there anybody else? Is there anybody that you're missing? Same thing with animals, stuff like that, you know, because it's very first nature to, especially over the phone, to BS uh, a landlord. It's just, it's very natural for some odd reason. Um, Okay, so anyone else? Uh, no, it's just us two, but my brother stays with us sometimes. So I've ran into this situation like several times. That's why I put it in here because I've, I've asked those questions like, okay, anyone else? You said just me and my boyfriend. Okay, anyone else? Uh, no, just me. No, just us two, but uh, my brother does stay with us sometimes. Okay, um, how often and why does he stay with you guys? Uh, well, convenience for his work and maybe just a few days out of the week here and there. Okay, now this is very, very crucial. Um, convenience for work, that's a great reason. That's, you know, cool if, if he is a truck driver or something here and there, wh whatever it may be, um, and needs just a, a night to take a shower and sleep on the couch, whatever. Um, but the thing is, there's certain, figure out within your area, you know, the landlord rules, landlord and tenant rules. And I have a link uh, that's available here as well that should be able to help. But, but overall, figuring out if a guest is staying more than a, you know, a number of days per month, it, it really starts turning from a guest to an actual tenant. And you need to figure out those because if they stay there for a certain amount of time per month, per month um, in each state is different, then it is considered a tenant, even if they're not on the lease, even if they're not paying 
uh, they still have a lot of the legal safety as if they were a tenant and you as the landlord are fully liable for those. Like if the other tenants move out and then this person stays there, like you need to, you need to get this person out and they can legally stay there for a while, which is crazy. I mean, there, there's so many different uh, ins and outs about it, but I think it's very important to figure out, um, you know, those key points. And, uh, and at this point, you can just ask more questions regarding this particular situation. Like, what does he do for work, uh, et cetera, or simply move on and come back to that at the very end, letting them know that, you know, her brother will have to be on the lease and fill out an application if over the age of 18 and it fits all the other legal standards. But at that point, you know, I would just move on uh, after kind of just diving into that a little bit. Um, and then kind of just go into, you know, what do they do for work? So, okay, so what do you and your boyfriend do for work? Well, I'm a hairstylist and he's a truck driver. Perfect. How long have you both been at your jobs? Uh, mine is going on four months and his is going, he's been working as a truck driver for the last three years. Okay. Uh, basically at that point, anybody over under two years of employment, like one to two years, I, I, that's like the first red flag to me. It shows, you know, I just want to dive deeper into that. And I'm going to ask uh, up to pretty much two years, what have they been doing for work? Um, and, and try to get to the bottom line of that, see if there's any overlapping, you know, any unemployment during that time, you know, like how hungry they are to, to get jobs and how many jobs have they worked within those two years. It's very, very key because if they're working a ton of different jobs and it shows inconsistency, it shows uh, just scrambled brain and kind of like, running around all the place, not happy, uh, possibly quitting or getting fired and then jumping into something else that they're just not passionate about, not excited about. So they're not going to stay at that one that long either. Um, and anything that there's a gap between employment, meaning they're unemployed, that's just a big red flag too, because they're not thinking ahead of time. So therefore they're just reacting instead of, you know, really processing and thinking of a game plan to get out meaning they don't care about what happens. They're just, you know, if they don't like the job or they get fired or anything, they're okay. And they have a bunch of excuses. Typically nine times out of 10, the, these type of people are going to have excuses um, why it's everybody else's fault and not theirs. So therefore, if I'm running out to this person, they keep on switching jobs and then they don't have money one, you know, by the first one of these months, then they're going to have all these different excuses under the sun. And then it ends up being my fault you know, eventually and not him taking responsibility or, or her taking responsibility. So it's very crucial to kind of figure out those things and, and really dive into it. So, okay. So what were you doing before your current job? You know, the, the woman that, you know, we're talking, she's been working at her job for four months. Uh, the truck driver, he's been at his job for three years. You can ask what he was doing before that as well. Um, just to make it on, you know, fair on both sides and just see, you know, how long he plans on being at his, but really just diving deep into, especially anything under two years is very crucial to me. Um, so she ends up mentioning, okay, well, I was in an office, I, I was an office assistant. Okay. How long were you working there? Only two to three months. Okay. Another red flag. Uh, why, why did you leave? Uh, I didn't like it. When it's just plain and, and straight to the point like that, there's things you want to dig into. 
you know, if people are just like, just not, I wouldn't say like respectful, but at the same time, like just not personable when it comes down to certain little things that, that they're not excited about. Um, and they'd rather not talk about and just leave it at something like that. Then I, I would definitely dig deeper to try to get the the best out of them and, and see how they really act. I just didn't like it. Okay. Uh, did you get fired or did you quit? Uh, I quit. So those quick, just like sharp um, answers it is something that you want to avoid and you want to dive deeper into it. Okay. Did you give a notice before quitting or, and uh, did you give a notice before quitting and uh, what were you doing for work before then? Yes. I told my boss I was quitting and he said, okay. Okay. He said, okay. So did you get, basically I'm trying to get to the point of like, uh, did you, did you give a two week notice? And if you didn't like, and if with this certain situation right here, basically they're beating around the bush and, uh, and you can just come out and ask them like, Hey, did you give a two week notice? And if they say yes, then just let them know, like, you know, I'm going to be following up with this individual. Uh, if you do decide to fill out an application and I'm going to ask them, you know, did this person, you know, give a two week notice. And if not, like, I'd rather you just be truthful, upfront and honest and transparent with me to figure out, you know, cause it's all going to come clean one way or another. And I like to tell people that upfront, especially if I feel like they are BSing uh, just a little bit. Okay. So basically she said, no, I told my boss I was quitting and he said, okay, I worked some odd jobs around town before that. Basically at that point I would be like, okay, uh, how do you see yourself moving forward with this job? Do you see yourself staying? That's the bottom line. I, I want to see like, you know, are you actually planning on staying here or like, what is, what is, are you passionate about this? Like, are you going to jump around and, and be inconsistent? Because if so, then, you know, what's going to happen with you renting from me? Are you going to not like it one day and just say, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't like the tenants that are the neighbors around me. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to break the lease. You know, that's not cool. That's going to cost me money and turnover and chaos and everything in between. So I'm, I'm going to avoid that as much as possible. And then basically she, you know, she replies, uh, yes, I actually really love it. And I have wanted to do some, do this line of work for a long time. Uh, everyone, everyone I work with is great and I love my boss. Okay. Now those, that's like the ideal situation that somebody's going to respond back to you. Uh, most of the time it's not going to be something like that, but, um, but that's like what you're looking for. So, um, basically at that point as the landlord, I would be like, Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's really great. Uh, do you mind me asking how much you both bring in per month for income? And this is individually. You know, so th this is where you kind of dive into it, but make sure you're disclosing uh, reasoning behind this. And you're going to want to, like I said, you're going to want to check out your local uh, area to, to figure out the laws for landlord and, and tenant uh, laws, because it is very, um, very crucial. And you don't want to find yourself in court, you know, discriminating or, or get, you know, in trouble by any means. Okay. So the website I was just looking for is www.landlord.com.
landlordology.com. So that's L-A-N-D-L-O-R-D-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Uh, basically, that's you know where you can go to find the landlord-tenant laws within your area. Basically, it's just a nationwide uh, platform that it's going to show you know the whole country, and then you have the option to click which state you want to look up, uh, whichever area that you're in, and then it will pop up uh, the the laws within that state. It's not going to break down the you know, your certain city within that state, but which is something good to, to go above and beyond to look up your personal county or region um, that you can look into further to get, you know, the best examples of your laws, your local laws and how to abide them. So basically I just got done asking the question to her, um, you know, how do you, how do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your job? Do you see yourself staying uh, moving forward with your job. She says, yes, I, I truly love it. You know, above and beyond, love my boss, love the people that I work with. That's awesome. Um, and now I'm diving into questions about income. So I switch it up a little bit and I want to talk about income. And, uh, and like I said, um, it is a touchy subject along with certain other things that I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to break down within these questions. But as the landlord, you're going to want to dive in and ask these things. So, there is certain laws that you're going to want to protect yourself with. So make sure you go check out that website and, uh, and that will protect you so you can understand, you know, what your laws are, what you're responsible for as a landlord. And also there's certain ways how you can describe it and kind of cover it up with uh, certain disclosures. So when I ask, okay, so how much do you guys make per month uh, in income? How much do you guys bring in? Afterwards, I always disclose right away. The reason I'm asking this is because to qualify for any of my rentals, the person renting would need to make at least three times the amount of rent per month. And that's only because I want to make sure that everyone can truly afford the place and I don't want someone just to be getting by but instead enjoying themselves. Like I don't want somebody just to be just making it and you know barely being able to pay rent. You know, I'm not trying to do that. If you can't afford the place, if you're not making three times the amount of rent, then you know, you're not gonna qualify. So that's my disclosure. And banks do the exact same thing. You know, if uh, most property management companies will do the exact same thing. I see other people out there that are allowing 50% you know, that's way too close because that's just the rent. What about utilities? What about miscellaneous uh, car? Like all these other things add up. So don't, you know, I, I think it's very crucial not to put your tenants in a, in a possible negative situation because anything can come up and, uh, and let's face it, majority of Americans don't have their finances necessarily in order because they're not taught this in school. So, you know, we'll dive into that in a second, but uh, but nevertheless, so that's how I kind of cover up that um, because I have had people over the phone with me, prospective tenants saying, you know, I really don't think that's in your business, how much I'm making. Well, I totally understand it. It, it isn't, but at the same time, it is if you want to rent from me, because if you want to rent from me, I'm, I'm not just going to let you in because you said you make a certain amount. If you said you make five or 10 grand, that, that's great, but you're going to need to prove it. Because I'm not going to take the risk of 
allowing somebody random to say that I need to, you know, trust, but verify. It's very crucial. Um, so just diving into that, um, then the person will always say, after I disclose that, the person always says, oh, of course, that makes sense. And then they're kind of on my side again. They're, then they're like, their guard is down. They're like, you know, this guy is actually caring. He's not going to allow just anybody in there. He, he cares, which is great. That's where you want them to be. Okay. Um, so at that point, they'll tell me how much they make. You know, well, I make about 1300 a month and he makes about 2200 roughly so right around $3,500 in total most people don't know exactly you know from my personal experience most people that I'm renting out to they don't know exactly how much they're making some do and some are just you know spitballing it so I try to really break it down and help them as well and sometimes you need to dive deeper into it you know I don't know maybe 1500 2000 like that's a, that's a big gap. You know, I, I've had other people, somebody the other day said, you know, anywhere from like uh, 1200 to 3,500. I'm like, dude, that's a huge gap. So what is it? You know, like, what did you make, you know, last week? And, and then basically I'll, I'll just dive into, okay, so uh, is this all shown on pay stubs or, you know, how, how often, is this all shown on pay stubs and how often are you both getting paid? Are you getting paid weekly, every other week, uh, monthly, you know, salary? How did, how does your pay structure look? Because that's another big key factor because if it's every other week, then, you know, sometimes when the first of the month comes around, they might get paid either the week before or if they already spent that money, then the week after. So it's very crucial to know because, you know, you're going to want to see where people's finances are um, and how likely they're going to be able to pay by the first each month. Um, and, you know, just make sure that they're prepared. If they get paid weekly, then that's a, a better situation. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it really just depends on the person themselves and how well they are at managing their money. Um, basically the the prospect and tenant they would just respond uh yes all on pay stubs and both of us get paid every other week okay um you know at that point uh just really diving deep into if they're not totally sure about you know how much they make i would just dive into well what did you make you know last week and then they'll tell me, uh, what did you make the week before that? They'll roughly tell me. And then the week before that. So it's like, you know, if they are consistently working, then they should have somewhat of an idea and you guys can just brainstorm and try to get to the bottom line of, of what, uh, that full amount average is at the end of the day, they are going to need to show proof of this, uh, pay stubs, um, for the last three months, two to three months, as well as bank statements for the last two to three months. And that will help tremendously uh, just so you can add it up, average it out and see exactly where that is. But we'll dive into that in a little bit as well. Um, basically, I would switch, switch roles a little bit now and just, you know, instead of income, I would dive into, okay, so where are you guys living right now? Um, you know, they would respond either in the area or, you know, right down the street or out of state, uh, 45 minutes away. So uh, let's just say they said, you know, out of state, 
you know, my area in Ohio is right on the border of two different other states. So, um, you know, out of state, about 45 minutes away. Uh, oh, wow. So do you guys know the area and are you familiar with the neighborhood? That's very crucial because if they're not living in the area, even if they are, I like to just ask them like, oh, okay. So you are familiar with the area. You're familiar with the neighborhood, correct? You know, you, you do like this, you're this area in general. Um, have you checked it out yet? Uh, you know, what's try to figure out why are they drawn to the area? You know, um, because that'll just add up more ammo for you as well to, to know in the future. And then they'll just reply, yes, I'm very familiar. Uh, I actually grew up there and I'm looking to be closer to family. Perfect. So why are you moving? Um, like I said, I just want to be closer to family and my current landlord and I don't see eye to eye. So something like this, when somebody, when the prospect of tenant brings up something a little negative, especially anything about like their current landlord, just identify that if they're talking crap or, or negatively about their current situation, their employer, their, their landlord, um, then they will do the same to you. But it's good because you can dig in and you can really, you know, ask more questions about it and, uh, and get them to open up and try to share with you. Um, because there is some reasonings, good reasonings for everything. So just kind of figuring out what that is exactly would help out the best. Um, so really, so why is that? Why are you guys not seeing eye to eye? Uh, just hasn't been kept up with the maintenance and the property is becoming distressed. Overall, just feel like a new move would be helpful. Okay, so I've run into this situation a lot. Uh, there's a lot of older owners in the area that are just not keeping up with the maintenance, um, just too old, do a lot of the property management themselves, and uh, really just looking for anybody to kind of take over the rent, any Tom, Dick, and Harry, and take, you know, even just a couple hundred bucks uh, because it's distressed and they're just okay with it and it's falling apart, which is not cool. It's not safe and it's not, it's not fair on either sides, but uh, it is what it is. And, uh, and it creates more opportunities for people like me that actually care about the tenants as well as the property in general and, um, and is looking to do the full remodel, make it nice again, put a bunch of money into it and rent it out to well-qualified tenants and then take it back to the bank uh, as a, you know, uh, an awesome business um, that is, you know, prosperous and then get all my money back so I can repeat that process. Um, but nevertheless, you know, make sure that they give you a good reason for why they're not seeing eye to eye with the, with the current landlord and dive into that. Um, and if not, just keep on asking questions in regards to it. Um, at that point you can be like, okay, how long have you lived there? Uh, two and a half years. So when somebody says like two and a half years or just something odd, like, you know, just identify that most leases are set up for a year lease. Some are six months, uh, some after one year turns into month to month. So, um, you know, when they say, you know, I, I've been here for seven months or eight months, nine months, um, then kind of just ask like, well, when are you planning on moving? Uh, and, and what is your lease? What, what kind of lease are you on right now? You know, um, 
if they reply, well, I'm on a year lease, but this is my seventh month in, well, what are your plans? And, and you're trying to get out next month. What are your plans? Are you trying to break your lease? Have you talked to the landlord about that? Are they okay with it? You know, like what is the situation there? So you just got to do research and, uh, and dig into like a, a detective to try to figure out what's going on. Um, so they respond back. Uh, we're on just a month to month lease right now. And, um, and when, when were you looking to move? Um, maybe not the first of this month, but the first of the following month would be awesome. So that's very crucial. If, if it's like the 20th and they're looking to move, uh, on the upcoming first in you know, a week or so, then, then at that point you can say, you know, uh, have you talked to your landlord? Do they know? Um, and, and then they reply back like, well, you know, I, I plan on, uh, one, I was waiting to get accepted to a place before I told my landlord. Okay. Um, so what does your lease look like? You know, if you got accepted today to move in on the first, you know, and you haven't told your landlord yet, is he going to be okay with that by not giving a 30 day notice, like a traditional 30 day notice is very standard and it's in most leases and it's damn sure in mine. And if they're not giving a 30 day notice um, or sticking to the lease in their current one with the, with the landlord that they have now, do you think they're going to do the same for me? You know, so it's something you're just going to want to dive into and, and really ask. Um, but if they do say, you know, not this coming first, you know, but the next or, you know, whenever we get approved and, and me and my husband or whoever um, decide that this is the place we would like to move forward with, then uh, we would just need to give our current landlord 30 day notice. That's super respectful. That's exactly what you're looking for to, to get somebody new moved in. And that's like the cream of the crop that, that you're definitely looking for. Um, because the transparency is huge. It's very huge, especially if you're going to be doing management on your rental properties, long distance, virtually, it's very, very crucial. Um, I would pay top dollar for just transparency and communication all day long. Um, so ask, you know, what is, is there any reason in particular, um, you know, why they want whatever particular day that they ask for, for the move in, you know, there's always a reason why. So ask for that. If you don't understand it, or even if you think you understand it, but they didn't necessarily say it, ask, what's the reason behind that? Is there any reason in particular why you would like to move, you know, in one week or two weeks or five days or, you know, as soon as possible, those are red flags. As soon as possible is a red flag. You know, um, there's gotta be good reasoning behind that. You know, if you're sleeping on couches or you're staying at a hotel, hotel is okay because you're paying top dollar and, and, uh, and there's could be potential reason for that, but you got to dive in deeper and also let people know that if it is one of those urgent situations that the application process takes two to three days, mine personally does not everybody's some are people are instantaneously, um, but nevertheless, you're going to want to give a few days to really do the screening and make, you know, verify everything that they're saying is true, the income, the statements, everything um, to make sure that 
you know, you are picking somebody that is going to be the best of the best and you're screaming like a bank instead of like uh, Jerry down the street or something, you know, you don't want to do that. So, um, okay. So at that point you'd be like, okay, perfect. Uh, do you guys have any pets? So switching it up a bit, um, you know, uh, just a cat. Do you accept animals? If that's what they reply, then always, no matter what, even if it says in your ad or if deep down you're okay with animals, uh, just always say, you know, no, um, no, we don't accept animals, but depending depending on the situation, we could possibly make it work. And this is the time where, you know, you make them feel special that you're willing to work with them. And you're also, you're, you're getting the ability to kind of just have that stronger position instead of just saying, yeah, we, we accept any animals, you know, any cats, any dogs. If it comes in like a saber toothed tiger, uh, you know, freak of nature, cat, or a dog that is outrageously, um, you know, vicious and just going crazy. Like, I'm not going to accept that. I don't care if it's, you know, the cutest little, um, you know, dog in the world or whatever, cutest little cat in the world. If it is vicious and it looks like a liability and a threat and something that could potentially uh, harm my investment or my tenants or other people around me and put me at risk, I'm not going to accept it. So always, no matter what, it, you know, when that question comes up, um, we just have a cat. Okay, that's great. I, I know you make it seem like it's simple, but I'll be the one to determine that. So uh, do you accept animals? Answer always is no. But, uh, you know, we don't accept animals, but depending on your situation, we could potentially and possibly make something work. Uh, you make them feel special and you make them, you know, kind of drawn in more like, oh, cool, this guy wants to work with me. He's going to bend backwards. Everybody likes something special uh, done for them. And, and that's going to be one of those situations because everyone else out there is just either going to say yes or no. Yes or no, no exceptions. Um, and then uh, basically, you're just going to have a list of questions when it comes down to that animal, like, you know, how old is very crucial. Anything under like one to two years old, I won't do uh, cat or dog, uh, especially dogs. You got to understand that puppy phase, but kittens as well, um, you know, just potty training, teething, uh, crawl, like scratching up things like you do not want that in the house. And depending on the person as they're training them, you know, the person is really the, 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 the person to be blamed for whether the animal is good or bad. You know, they learn all their behaviors from their, the owner. So, which is the, the prospect tenant. So, you know, that's very, very crucial. And I'm not going to um, put faith in, in, you know, somebody new renting to my place um, with, with a puppy or a kitten. So any cats or dogs or any animals that are under like one to two years, two years is very least, but, uh, you know, the apps or the absolute max two years. Um, sorry. Uh, the absolute least would be one year, but, uh, you know, I like to keep it at two years um, just 
to create, uh, you know, less damage on the property potentially. Um, and then, uh, what kind of breed is it as far as dog or cat, whatever, um, make sure that you get pictures of the animal. Uh, if you can physically see the animal as well, get to play around with it, get to just, you know, kind of feel it. Um, the body language, everything, uh, is it neutered or is it sprayed? Now, you know, this is extremely important. Any pets that are in any of my places, I'll always require that they're either neutered or sprayed. Um, just so, just so when they are neutered or sprayed, it takes out some of the energy and some of that like ex excessive energy and drive in them. Uh, just takes that away and tries to just level it and make it a little bit more calmer, uh, which is very crucial. So they're not like tearing up the place um, in your property. Uh, so just makes this a requirement and uh, to show proof of this with the letter that they do get this done, um, that the animal is neutered or sprayed, uh, require a picture, like I said, of the animal for record keeping, uh, require tenants to have their own renter's insurance in general. That's just in general, not just, you know, when it comes down to animals, but um, especially if they have animals, you know, make sure that they're fully liable for it. You're taking all the liability off of yourself. They're liable for it with their uh, tenants, you know, their, their renter's insurance as well as pet insurance if they need it, you know, push that on them and not yourself. Um, require separate animal security deposit and or an additional monthly pet charge added to the rent. So me personally, I don't add a monthly fee to it. Uh, I'm not I'm not against that by any means, but I do add a security deposit, which is typically around one month of uh, security deposit. Uh, of whatever the rent is to cover any damage, but depending on the rent and depending on the animal and what type of damage I think they could potentially make, um, you know, don't underestimate it and always go above and beyond just in case. Cause you know, the worst case scenario, um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna lose money, but the best case scenario is that you have extra money left over and you can just give it back to them at the end. Um, as just, you know, good faith in, in their security deposit, which would help them out more uh, and, and cover your, your ass as well, so, which is very crucial. Um, okay, and then this is where you kind of switch up a little bit and you ask, you know, have you guys ever been in trouble with the law? So have you, ever, have you guys ever been in trouble in general? Typically, they'll be like, no, 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 not at all. Um, and this is where you just dive into more info about it. Um, you know, have you ever been in jail? No, 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 no. Have you ever been arrested? Well, uh, my boyfriend has been a long time ago. Okay. So you didn't say anything about yourself. Um, so, you know, have you ever been arrested though? Um, and how long ago was it that he was arrested and what exactly was it for? No, I've never been arrested. Um, and his was for, 
you know, whether it's shoplifting, selling drugs, aggravated assault, DUI, whatever it, it may be, you know, whatever it takes, um, it is serious and, you know, just make sure that you are treating it as a serious situation and have them fully explain the situation to get a clear understanding for yourself. Um, you know, most things have, you know, exception behind it. Um, you know, and, and people screw up, people mess up. I, I definitely believe that there should be forgiveness. Um, in, in a lot of things, but, but nevertheless, there's certain situations that, you know, I'm just not going to be okay with, um, and certain situations that I would most likely just never be okay with or allow to rent out to somebody is, you know, somebody that went through a murder case or a rape charge or has a ton of drug charges on their, on their record you know, uh, molestation charges, et cetera. Like it just goes on there. There's several out there that I just wouldn't trust. As far as the drug charges go, like even if you're a user or the seller, you're constantly having a bunch of these on your rap sheet, then I'm just not comfortable with a, a change yet. Unless you're going to have to ask like, you know, when was this? Like how long ago did this person get arrested? You know, like how long ago um, was were these court situations? And I've ran into this so many times, like listen to this, take my word for this. Uh, when they say, oh, oh, it was a long time ago, like long, long, long time ago. Okay, so how long ago was that? Oh, I don't know, long time ago. Um, you know, totally different person now. That's great. So when was that? I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. Okay, uh, so what, like two months ago, like two years ago, 12 years ago, like 20 years ago, what was it? And then, you know, just really get down to the bottom of it because everybody's definition of long time ago, it's all irrelevant, you know, it's all, all different. Um, so when it was uh, to, to really be able to dive down into it and, and figure out when, when it truly was. You know, when did this person get arrested? Because it will show up in the background check. And anyway, so I'd rather you just not waste your time and waste your money if the person doesn't qualify. So usually once you, you know, break that down and, and you talk to them in, in that manner and get to the point, you know, well, you're going to have to let me know. You're going to have to figure this out sooner than later. Otherwise, we can take the risk. Uh, we can, you know, we can run the background check and it will pop up on there. Um, but I just don't want to waste your time, waste your money, waste my time as well. Um, you know, just dealing with this situation. If it was a couple months ago or if it was a couple years ago, you know, like we can figure it out. Depending on the situation, the crime and how long ago it was is, you know, certain factors that I will consider in my decision making, you know, then the person will come out and say, okay, well, you know, it, it was about 14 months ago. I believe it was about 14 months ago. Okay. Gotcha. So about one year ago, pretty much, um, uh, you know, what is his plans and goals moving forward? He stopped hanging out with those bad friends, uh, works around the clock, staying busy 
and has hobbies plus priorities now. Now those, that's like, you're not ever gonna get that full explanation right there, but that's something that you're gonna like ideally look for. Somebody that is not hanging out, that's very, very crucial, not hanging out with the same friends. And you can just ask those questions like, are you still hanging out with the same friends? Still hanging out with the same people? That, you know, because typically those people that you're hanging out with encouraged it or you were, you guys were doing stuff together negatively. So, you know, are you still hanging out with the same people? That's a great question to ask. Um, are you, are, how much are you working lately? Are you working a lot? Or are you just, you know, barely getting by? Are you staying busy or are you staying bored? Because if uh, a bored mind is going to get into trouble, potentially, if you're already used to that troubled life. And then, um, you know, staying busy around the clock. And then do you have any hobbies? Like, what do you do for fun? What do you do to kind of just release, like hitting the gym? Do you, are you playing any sports? Do you have going date nights? Like, what is it? Do you have priorities now? It's very crucial to ask these things to really get down to the bottom of it. Um, okay, great. You know, let's switch it up now. And, uh, you know, how does your guys credit look? So the score isn't the biggest factor here, but it is slightly, you know, going to have an impact on the decision because it might reflect late payments being made or not being made at all um, and, and just not being paid in general. So um, I'm not extremely caught up on the score. A lot of, you know, landlords out there are very stuck on the score, like black and white. If you don't have a 700 or 650 and above, like, you know, we're not going to, you're going to get denied. I'm not like that. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that I've rented out to that don't have a credit score whatsoever because they haven't established credit. They don't, they're not educated on credit. So therefore they're not just working towards that. And, uh, that's okay to me. Um, but you know, there's certain other factors that, I would definitely take into consideration, like I mentioned, the you know late payments or uh, just having high balances, not paying stuff. Uh, those are crucial. That could affect your score. Uh, that would that I would take into consideration, but nevertheless, uh, the prospecting tenant would say, "Oh, you know, I don't know what my score. I, I don't know what my credit looks like, but probably not the best." Most people will actually say that, and that's because. Most people um, out there aren't educated on credit and they've messed up a few times. So, you know, that's just how it is. So most people are going to say, oh, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best. So that's where you ask, okay, no worries, no worries. You take off the fear away from no worries. That's totally okay. Um, so what do you think might be negative on there? You know, that's really just digging in there a little bit and asking. What do you think might be negative on there? I honestly don't know. Maybe hospital bills, you know. And then FYI, if they, you know, they know if they bring up something as a possibility. If they say, oh, I honestly don't know. Maybe hospital bills, you know. If they're bringing up hospital bills, it's because most likely they remember not paying hospital bills and, you know, it's probably on there. If not, they're praying to God that it didn't get reported, you know, but uh, nevertheless, if they say a couple different things, you know, you can just like let them speak as well. Let them speak as much as possible. So, you know, I don't know, maybe some hospital bills and then just let them speak. Anything else like, you know, any student loans, any 
you know, hospital or, uh, you know, utility bills, you know, anything like that. Um, and then, uh, and you know, me personally, I honestly, um, I, I'm not a, I don't care about hospital bills or, and then just continuing like, okay, so have you ever been late on rent? No, never. Have you ever been evicted? No. Have you ever had a car repossessed? No. Um, you know, and then just remind them like it will show up on the credit report uh, if you've had any of this stuff. So, you know, I'm very just big on transparency and upfront honesty. Uh, I'm willing to work with people, you know, if, if I can trust them. And uh, that's my biggest, you know, my biggest situation that I'm looking for somebody that I can trust because we can figure it out along the way, God forbid, but somebody that, you know, responds back right away with no, never. That's, that's like a good response that you're going to want to get from people because somebody that says it with confidence, like, Oh no, never. Like I've, I've never been laid on rent. Uh, you can even just push it a little bit and like, okay, wow. Like you've never been laid on rent. Not even once, like never late. And if they truly haven't, then typically they're going to like brag about it. Like it, it, it makes them feel good, you know? Um, so, you know, have you ever had a car payment? You know, ask those type of questions. Um, just get to the conclusion why they believe their credit might not be as good and what the score is or what the score might be. If they don't have or haven't established credit yet, that's okay. Uh, but overall, it's really just important to kind of dive in and try to figure out, like, you know, what is it exactly? Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and then kind of switching it up again a little bit is, you know, afterwards asking, and I, I kind of lead into this one to ask, you know, how, if, if they sound young, I might ask, do you mind if I ask you both how old you are? Or I'll just ask for, and I'll wait for a copy of their driver's license, which will be needed if, you know, they file, um, if they decide to follow through and, uh, and fill out an application. Um, but be careful because that's like some discrimination laws right there as well. So, uh, you know, there's going to be, so to cover up your ass on this one is basically, you know, just let them know that, um, overall anyone that is 25 years or under, depending on several things, uh, and overall feelings I have of them. As to be a great tenant or mediocre, I will typically request two months security deposit or request a cosigner because the additional risk or damage of lost rents potentially, uh, you know, possibly if they don't follow through on the lease, like agreed to, then, you know, those are certain things that I would definitely be careful with. And, you know, I mentioned the, the age next because, you know, and I typically go in that order because, 
you know, somebody that is going with credit that may potentially be younger, they'll naturally say, Oh no, I don't, I don't have any credit. I think it's really, I think my credit is really bad because I don't have any credit. Okay. Well, you know, how, you know, how old are you? Um, you know, if, if you're under 25, I can understand if you don't have any credit cards or any credit established yet, but, um, just to be curious about exactly why. And, uh, and if there's certain things on there, you know, it's just very crucial to get to the bottom line of what it may be. Um, me personally though, like I said, anybody that's 25 years or, or younger, I'm either going to ask for, um, additional security deposit, like two months security deposit, or I will ask for a co-signer. And that's just because, you know, uh, most people that are that young, uh, just to be upfront and honest, they're, they live more on reaction and they don't think thoroughly. They're okay with breaking leases. If God forbid the worst case scenario happens, like they break up with their significant other or, uh, they fail a, a test or something or having issues, you know, they, they just give up and a lot of drastic things in their life, um, at those times, just being lost and confused and not really having their full purpose yet, potentially. Um, they can just be misdriven. Uh, and this is with, you know, many ages, but my personal experience, I, that's just what I stick with. Anybody 25 years or younger, I, I don't feel like they truly um, have as much as they think they know a lot. I feel like there's a lot of things that they could potentially be missing out on and I don't want to take that risk. So I label them at, at a higher risk uh, and definitely require this, um, the additional security deposit or I will require a cosigner uh, that makes you know that person liable as well. Um, and then you know, I'll, so I'll ask the age, um, and then you know, say they respond back. You know, I'm 32 and he's 35. Okay, great. Just sounded young over the phone, and I wasn't sure if you were 25 or under. I would have to have you, you know, required to either get a co-signer or just wanted to make sure that, you know, you guys could, um, securely get the property with having more of a down payment, uh, if needed, but it looks like you guys are both fine. So that's, that's my disclosure behind that to kind of take off the worry from them and, uh, and to cover my, my ass when it comes down to, you know, why am I asking those personal questions? But nevertheless, you're going to find out anyway, as the landlord by having their, you know, their, their identification, um, their license. So, uh, and then kind of switching it up again a little bit is, you know, may I ask how long have you two been dating and, you know, have you guys lived with each other before? Yes, it's been three years dating, but we've lived together for two and a half years. Do you guys plan on getting married? These are personal questions that some people don't like answering, but I think it's important just because I want to see how committed and serious they are. You know, like if they've had that conversation, then that kind of shows a little bit more uh, incentives of like, you know, they are serious. If they haven't had that conversation, then maybe they're not as serious and they're just having fun and it's a good roommate situation, you know, what, what have you. Um, you know, if they respond back, you know, we haven't talked about it yet. Okay, uh, how often do you guys fight and how do you both react? How, how do you guys both act when fighting? 
this is a great question that not enough people are asking. None of my, none of my friends that are landlords are asking this question. And I think it's so natural of just like, you know, people fight. And after one of my first tenants, there were couples, they were getting into uh, fist fights in the house. You know, he started damaging my property, putting holes into the, into the, um, doors and, and walls and he had a, they had a kid in the house they were fighting and it's just a toxic um, unfriendly area and I don't want that in my house and I want to know what type you know like everybody fights so it's it's okay and it's normal but how do you how do you guys fight is what's going to determine like you know if you guys are truthful with that with that answer and really open up to that then that's going to allow um, just stronger connection and, you know, overall understanding, you know, is this a good tenant, a prospective tenant or not? So, you know, I always get shocked and kind of giggles and laughs when I ask this question, but I think it's very, very crucial. How often do you fight and how do you both act when fighting? Um, you know, if they respond, uh, not that often we both get frustrated at each other sometimes he normally walks off and i normally talk it over with my mom and then about it later on with him when we both calm down you know that is more of a uh just normal answer that you can almost anticipate you know that's something that you can understand it but maybe that's too like bs you know so really just dig into it and ask more questions like, you know, do you guys, uh, do you guys yell? Do you guys stomp your feet? Do you guys freak out? Do you scream? Do you cry? Do you, uh, you know, how long does it last for the fights? Are you guys throwing things? Are you damaging anything in the house? Are you putting holes through stuff? Like, uh, you know, all these questions are very crucial to ask to figure out, you know, like, what is the situation? You know, do, do you guys lean on drugs or alcohol? Do you guys go out drinking, you know, hit the bar right away? Like those things, very, very crucial to know because I don't want somebody coming back shit face drunk and then start freaking out and causing more problems. And uh, in the middle of the night, you know, I don't want that stuff for the neighbors uh, nor my property. Um, so it's just a bunch of things that I would just dig into me personally to ask these questions, try to really pull it out of people. Uh, and then basically I would just ask, you know, that hard question of, uh, you know, if you guys both broke up during the middle of the lease, what would you guys do? And I've, I've asked this question several times and I've had the same answer several times as well. Oh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't oh, no, I'm sure, like, this is your third month together, or, you know, you're, you guys are six months into it, the first time moving in, and you would never break up, of course, but, but let's just go over the worst case scenario, just in case, you know, uh, sure, but if you didn't decide to stay together, and you guys did break up, God forbid he cheats on you, or you cheat on him, or you guys hate each other out of nowhere, um, you know, both of you guys are fully responsible, whether one of you pays or not until the lease ends. So educating people on, you know, what they're fully liable for is very crucial. So then you can, you know, you know, really get to the bottom of, 
you know, what happens in this situation if you guys break up? Are you guys just going to split and leave town, move out, not tell me, the landlord, and, and I'm screwed? Or, or what is that going to look like? <clears throat> and then uh, basically the ideal answer that you're looking for is they respond back, you know, we would be responsible and would work it out for the time remaining. You know, that, that'd be the ideal situation, but, um, and, and the ideal response that you're looking for, but don't necessarily expect that. Um, and then at that point, you know, I, I would really, and several times throughout, I, I like to ask the question like, okay, do you guys, do either of you have any questions for me? And usually when I'm losing um, any other additional questions that I might have for them, I'll just ask that question like, well, do you guys have any questions for me? And then let them know that, you know, I can be reached uh, via text, call, email, any time of the day uh, during business hours. I personally say any time throughout the day just because, you know, as a tenant, I don't want them calling me in the middle of the night and they never do. But, um, you know, as a prospecting tenant, I want them to reach out anytime. And you're also, if they did reach out in the middle of the night, you're going to know more of a crazy tenant that you're walking into, which is some red flags that you would like to not jump into. Um, so, uh, so I tell them, you know, reach out anytime, but I don't really like highly encourage like, Hey, in the middle of the night, if you need to call me, call me, just call me anytime in the middle of the night. You know, I'm not saying that. So any normal person would, would reach out at, uh, you know, normal business hours, but, uh, nevertheless can shoot me a text or, uh, uh, an email, um, at later times if needed, especially because the three hour difference is okay for me. Um, and, uh, and basically just asking as many questions as possible, anything that you think of, and also just telling them and informing them as much as possible about the property itself that you feel would be their best fit. You know, that would fit them as the person they are, the job they have, uh, everything, you know, that it would fit well with the neighbor schedule with the other prospecting ten, like other tenants that are, are in the other units you might have or what have you, you know, just make sure that it's a good fit overall and tell them all about that property uh, to kind of get them more attached to it. Um, usually they'll ask, you know, so after I ask any, any other questions that you have for me, just let me know. Um, they'll, they'll typically just go into, well, when can I see the place? Um, I'll typically respond, you know, please right after we get off the phone here, just shoot me over, text me over your full name and your email address so that I can email both of you guys. Um, the online application right after we get off the phone in a few minutes. So it's very crucial to really remind them like, Hey, right when we get off the phone, because a lot of people they'll get too caught up in the hype and they won't actually follow through and do it. And me personally, I don't like that because you know, when you say you're going to do something, make sure that you do it. It's like the very first impression. I don't want them to screw that up. So I really try to hone it on, on them to like, Hey, make sure right when we get off to do this, uh, and then I'll educate them on the application fee is $35. It will expire if not filled out in a timely manner. 
So are you both going to be available to fill out the application as soon as possible? Uh, if so, I'll send it over right away. Basically, I don't tell them like, you know, it does expire within two days. Within 48 hours, it will expire and I'll have to send another one, with it, which is a waste of my time. But I don't let them know, hey, you got two full days. You know, I, I say it's going to expire in a timely manner and I, I try to make it as urgent as possible so they jump on it as soon as possible. If I told them they had two days, two full days, 48 hours, they'd, rate, they'd wait right to the very end uh, if so or you know, they, uh, basically they would just, you know, wait till the very end, forget about it and then reach back out to me or I'd reach out to them and say, Hey, I, I see that it expired and you know, you didn't fill it out. Are you no longer interested? And then they'll say, no, you know, I'm super interested. I just forgot about it. Didn't have time. Excuses, excuses. Uh, didn't take the 10 minutes to fill it out. So could you send me another one wasting my time? So, uh, you don't want to do that. And, um, and I've learned that over time to just let them know, you know, there is a timely manner on it. So do you have time right now to fill it out? If so, I'll send it over right away. Uh, if they respond, uh, we will have time after dinner tonight, then perfect. Uh, anyone over the age of 18 will need to fill out the application. It takes two to three days to come back uh, with the results after it is completely filled out. Make sure you completely fill it out. Uh, but after I will review and if you are accepted, then we can set up a time for you to view the property. Um, there's going to be some people out there that want to see the property before paying the $35 and doing the application. And I totally understand that aspect. Uh, but basically I just break it down to them like, Hey, I don't live in town. I would have to personally pay somebody to, you know, show the property. And even if you live in town, understand that your time is your biggest asset. So that is your biggest value. Plus, if you ever want to scale up and leverage yourself out, you will need to pay somebody in the future to show the property. So just let them know up front, like, hey, I need to pay somebody to actually show this property to you. So I want to make sure that you have skin in the game and that you're truly committed to potentially renting this place. You know, I already let you know it's fully remodeled. It's in very great condition. There's, you're going to be the first person living in there. There's no problems with it. Everybody loves it. You see all the pictures and the videos online. So, you know, it looks exactly how, how uh, the pictures show. And I'm above and beyond confident that you're going to love renting this place. So what more, you know, what more do they need? And when you equip them with that, you know, they're, they're fully excited about it. And, uh, and there's typically no hassle after that, unless they're truly, if they do give more hassle behind it, they're really just, they're playing the numbers game and they want to just shop around and, and see as many properties for free as possible. Um, which I'm not in the business of that because it, it's just wasting my time and, uh, and that's not right. So, um, so make sure that they fill out the application first and, um, and afterwards, like I said, once they're approved, then we can set up a time for you to view the property and talk about setting up the lease along with move-in dates and payments before receiving keys um, and turning you know, all the utilities over into their name, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, after accepting 
on my end and you've had the opportunity to view the property in person and you let me know that you'd like to take the property moving forward and renting this, you know, this property, this house, this unit, what, what have you, um, I will request a holding deposit to be made uh, that goes towards your total security deposit owed. This will be, this will allow me to take it off the market so nobody else will have the opportunity to rent it. However, if you do not follow through by successfully renting the property, the holding deposit is not refundable and is not, and if not paid to begin with, it will be up for grabs as first come first serve that has been approved and accepted. So any, basically, you know, when I say you're approved and you go check out the place in person, if the tenant, the prospective tenant likes it, they say, Hey, I want this place. Let's talk about the lease. And can you start preparing it for me? I'll request them, you know, a portion of the money right then and there. And if they don't give it and they're like, you know, I'll give it to you when we go to move in on the move in date, then I'm not taking it down from from marketing and I'll actually encourage other people that are looking at it and other people that I have already, you know, already filled out the application and I've already got good feelings for, um, I'll encourage them to, you know, the people that have already been approved and accepted, I'll, I'll encourage them to, to, you know, check out the property and then uh, take it from there. If they want it and they decide to give me the holding deposit, then, you know, I'll, the first person that I originally um, was given that opportunity to, they'll, they'll miss out on it and first come first serve. Uh, as far as the holding deposit goes, uh, you should always request a minimum of $200, but there's no max to it. You can ask for the full security deposit up front if, if they're willing to do that. Uh, like I said, though, it's not refundable. So if they're moving in in 30 days and, uh, and I take it off the market and they put down $400 and, um, and then they decide at the end of the month, you know, like, hey, I decided I'm not going to take it, then you don't get that $400 back. Because uh, I just wasted all that time when it comes down to, you know, potentially writing the lease, but more importantly, taking it off the market for other potential prospects, um, not having the eyes on it or the interest to be able to, you know, rent out the property to a good qualified tenant. So uh, that's non-refundable. Um, but like I said, the the two hundred dollar minimum is something that you should shoot for. Anything under two hundred dollars is really minor and. Um, you know, like if they don't have like a hundred dollars, 150, $50. That's like, it's really ridiculous. Um, especially when the security deposit should be a heck of a lot more. Um, but it's all negotiable. So whatever the landlord feels comfortable with just, you know, just make sure that it is something, um, that is reasonable and that will cover the, the God forbid, you know, worst case scenario type of situation. Uh, additional documents that are going to be needed for prospective tenants after filling out the online application would be a front and back scanned copies. So no pictures, but a scanned copy of ID 
So, you know, your, your picture ID, your driver's license, your identification card, make sure it's a scanned copy and you're getting all four corners of their ID. So if it was a picture, it's not going to be good quality and there could be a glare to it. Scanned will be perfect. Um, but if it's not like it needs to be in the center and you see all four corners, uh, just cause of legal purposes, if it's, a portion of it's cut off. It's not going to hold up and you really need to make sure you have all four corners. Um, also ask for pay stubs the last three months. Uh, find the true monthly average income, you know, just total it up and divide it by however months you total it up together. Uh, last three months of current bank statements. And this is to verify the money going in as well as the money going out and how financially responsible they are with their reserves, et cetera. You know, figuring out the bank statements is very personable, but you know, it's very crucial to see where, where their money is going and what they're spending their money on. If a lot of money is going out towards just junk, then anticipate that. And don't be surprised if you know, their finances are, are totally screwed up. They barely have any reserves. Like 70% of Americans out there, 70% of Americans out there have less than $1,000 in, you know, as an emergency fund for in their savings account, just for, you know, anything less than $1,000. It's outrageous. So don't be too surprised if uh, you don't see much in their bank account. Um, but just, you know, verify that they are having good amount coming in and uh, see where it's going to kind of um, see if that would break the bank or not or or make anything uh, not, you know, not qualify your prospect and tenant. And then um, have them fill out a two-page application. That's just a paper application, very similar to the online, a little bit different though, more for, for um, just record keeping and you know, uh, checking up on references and just their overall situation, um, you know, like who they're, who's going to be roommates or um, their current income, employer, you know, do they have any pets, bankruptcy, like stuff like that. Um, it's all very crucial to kind of just dive into and ask. And then for emergency sakes as well, uh, the online application doesn't ask for, you know, who to contact for emergency uh, situations. And I like the emergency section because it really comes off as, you know, very, you know, we want to make sure that God forbid the worst case scenario happens, we can get in contact with your most loved one, which it is true. It is very true because, you know, if the worst case scenario did happen, we would want to have somebody that we could contact and, and be able to um, get some understanding and help with uh, for that situation right away. But also if this person takes off and doesn't pay the rent or, you know, what have you, and there's money to be owed um, or just, you know, broke the lease and, and did the situation very dirty, then you can reach out to those references, those emergency contacts, and they're probably going to be pretty darn good. Uh, so that's just a little tip as well. Um, after that, make sure you're calling 
all the references, employers, you know, previous employers, previous landlords, current, uh, you know, et cetera. Just call as many people as you can to just verify that everything these people are saying to you, these prospective tenants are truly authentic and real. Make sure that it is, there's no BS. You're trying to, you're, you're being a detective and you want to see, you know, if everything really aligns with what they said. And if it doesn't, then you want to determine that. Like one situation, this guy seemed like the best of the best. And I, I you know, uh, we decided to actually go with him as a tenant um, because he did really seem good. But his his background check out of nowhere came back horrible. And we were like, you know, what is the situation? And then we realized that uh, his father had a uh, you know, he was the junior and his, his father was the senior and, you know, had a different, uh, you know, background, different history and their background check ended up getting crossed up and it's happened several times. He showed proof of it afterwards and a bunch of just crazy nonsense. And, and the guy seems like the sweetest guy in the world. And we were like, dude, your rap sheet looks bad. And it's just because, you know, his, you know, family ties up and very similar names um, in the same family. So it's a very crazy situation. But anyway, uh, nevertheless, all these things that I mentioned here is all in order to make your best overall decision and make your life easier. So yes, you might need to do a little bit more legwork over the phone with contacting and, and talking to these prospective tenants, but you want to, you want to do these things and really take pride in, in ownership to make sure that you get it, you are getting the best of the best because the worst case scenario is having somebody that really just trashes your place, doesn't care, doesn't pay on time, has no respect. And overall, you know, just making your life a living hell is going to drive you personally crazy. So I just want to encourage that if, if this was helpful for you, I, I really hope it was. And, um, and you found value in this. Um, but if you did make sure you share this out, uh, like I said, I'm willing to share the, the content of this, all the notes for screening a tenant and really just screening just like a bank, just like a pro as a landlord that you are. So if you're, if you have current, um, if you have current, uh, tenants, or if you are looking to, um, rent out in the near future, then you're definitely going to want to have some awesome content like this to be able to take it and utilize it to the max. Like I said, if you find value in this, make sure you share it and make sure you jump on iTunes, subscribe to ready, set, go real estate investing podcast, uh, leave a review. That means the world to me. Send that out to me, a screenshot to uh, myself on Brandon Elliott Investments.com, um, Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments, or Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott REI. That being said, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you so much. Till next time, God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.